Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right, how's everyone doing on this Wednesday evening? Wednesday evening, Wednesday evening, and this show, I'm doing it from New York City. I just arrived actually a few hours ago in New York City from uh, Florida. So remember, I'm on vacation. I'm not San Francisco, so... You know, I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart to give you people entertainment. So it's not necessarily going to be the usual five nights a week thing that I do normally that I've done for the last year and a half. Depends on my plans. And tonight, I guess there's nothing going on. I guess there's nothing going on. You know what? No one really does late night plans anymore. I used to remember what I used to go out, you know, to bars and clubs. Didn't go out till 10, 11 o'clock. Really? Didn't even think about going out <coughs> until 10 or 11. Now it's, that seems to be a thing of the past. Is it? Or am I just old? Is that a thing of the past, going out late, in good time late? Or is that just all, you know, very much a thing of the past? I don't know. But it seems like people don't have late nights anymore. Well, it's impossible because things close so early. I was very impressed with uh, South Beach. I was very impressed with South Beach because... Everything opens late. I mean, there were, uh, I was staying, uh, you know, uh, north of there, but I was visiting South Beach. And uh, I noticed things were so many 24-hour things. I mean, there were 24-hour uh, pharmacies all over the place. Like every three blocks, there was a 24-hour pharmacy. There was a 24-hour pizzeria. There were 24-hour diners. So, yeah, and I understand people saying, well, Mike, that's, South Beach is like, you know, it's a resort. So, of course, things can be open late. But people also live there. And you go off the main strip, Ocean, Collins. People live there in Miami Beach. So, isn't it nice and convenient for them? It's like almost like Vegas in a way, right? And that's lost in most of our Democrat cities, right? San Francisco, everything closes early. Nothing's 24 hours. You can't find a 24-hour diner or 24-hour grocery store or 24-hour drugstore. Imagine that. Imagine that in San Francisco, California, nothing's 24 hours anymore, right? In Florida, you can find it. But in San Francisco, one of the most metropolitan, cosmopolitan cities in the world, nothing's 24 hours anymore. Same with New York. I'm in New York now. Very few things are 24 hours anymore. I'll have to look around because I haven't been here in a year. So maybe there are some more diners that are opening 24 hours because tourism is a little bit better here than in San Francisco, actually probably considerably better here than in San Francisco. So I'll have to look around, but it's not like it used to be where there was a every, you know, five or six blocks, there was a 24 hour diner. I don't know if the drugstores are open 24 hours here anymore. You know, so it's, uh, it's, it's sad that our major cities don't have any kind of 24 hour life or nightlife anymore. And you go to places like Florida and there you have a uh, 24 hour everything you know, in, in much smaller metropolitan areas, right? Far fewer people living in uh, in South Florida than in New York City, right? And yet, look at the difference. And we know a big part of that was the lockdowns. It was, it was how COVID, it wasn't COVID, as the Democrats like to always blame. They always blame it on, a, they always blame it on COVID. Can you imagine in the past, if they blamed the economy on a cold or a flu season, people would have said, <laughs> they were laughing their faces. 
you know, blaming the economy on a flu season. But now you can do that, right? So as they did, they blamed it on COVID, but it wasn't COVID that did this. It was the COVID policies. It was the COVID mandates. It was how COVID was handled in one place and not another, right? That's the differences we're seeing now. Still let Democrats fool you into believing it was about a cold. It was about how they handled the cold, okay? So now I'm in New York and here we are. And um, it's... uh, it's interesting because there are no homeless encampments uh, in South Beach. There's no homeless, no, no homeless encampments in South Florida. I couldn't find any tents, you know, blocks where there were like five or six tents where there were in San Francisco. Now here in New York, you don't have that either. You do have a lot of homeless people though. You have a lot of people on the streets, a lot of people begging for money, a lot of people walking around, you know, no shirt pants hanging down, all that stuff. But it's just not, the city's so dense, right? The blocks are so full of people that you can't have tents. But in San Francisco, you can, because it's empty, it's desolate. So you can put up, there are blocks and blocks where you can put up tents and, you know, no one's going to even walk down that street. Well, you can't do that in New York. So that's probably a big reason why most of the city doesn't have the tents the way San Francisco and Portland and Seattle do because those cities are more spare, right? Than New York, not as dense. So there's more room for that kind of stuff, but there's still tons of homeless here. There's no doubt about it. (coughs) You have to hang with me last night. I didn't do the show because the scientist says, let me tell you something. So we'll see how long I last tonight. I'm trying to be a trooper, but, uh, on the plane ride today from Miami, which is just, it's about two and a half hours total. And uh, I said to myself, oh, this is going to be a nightmare because I've got these sinuses and we're we're going up in the elevation and the pressure. And, you know, it was fine. Like takeoff was fine. The, The cruising was fine. And then as the pilot started to descend, I could not hear anything. My ear, my ears got so clogged. I thought I was deaf and I'm, I'm there. You know, it's funny. Well, Daniel's here. I sent Daniel a video uh, yesterday of, if you remember the odd couple with uh, the, the, the uh, movie with um, Jack Lemon and, and uh, Walter Matthau. And there's a scene in the restaurant. It's just like shortly after they've, you know, they did just got to know each other. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Jack Lemon's sitting there and he's going, Bruh! he's trying to clear his ears and that's what i was doing but on the on the airplane to the woman next to me finally said oh you should you should like try to yawn try to take a big and i couldn't even, i said what are you saying what she said yawn try to yawn like sign language and i said I, I i'm trying my ears are so clogged i can't hear anything and it was in one of those situations where there was some bad weather coming into New York and it was LaGuardia, which is a disaster. So uh, the pilot comes on and gives a song and dance of, oh, the weather is backing us up. We have to do movements around the city. We have to wait. All this bullshit. It wasn't because of the weather. It rained for like 10 minutes. It was because of LaGuardia. But they can't come on and say, you know, everyone knows LaGuardia sucks. So we got to hang out for a while in the air. So anyway, so he's, you know, he's he's at that elevation where the pressure must be to a point where my, I could not hear anything. And he has to stay there for like an hour. He's just hanging out there. 
and he's slowing down and then he's speeding up and he's slowing down and he's speeding up. He's going all the way out into the Atlantic Ocean. We were like halfway to fucking Nantucket and then back again and then the other way. And I'm saying, would you please land this fucking plane? I can't hear anything. And then he got to a certain elevation where everything just popped. My ears just popped and I could hear again. And I said to the woman, by the way, I want to mention this. She was wearing a mask. So when she first came on, I said, oh, shit, I get the mask wearer. There must have been like maybe 5% mask wearers. And I get one sitting next to me. But I have to admit, she was very nice and she was concerned. Maybe she was a nurse. She was because they're the ones who obsess with masks. Right. So she, she was very concerned about my ears. And I said, I said, it's a sinus thing, you know, and it's just I knew this was going to be a problem. I knew it. And it always seems to happen when they get to that when they when they descend, it must be the air pressure where my ears get clogged. And just so happened that he had to stay at that elevation for about 45 minutes and I couldn't hear a damn thing. Um, so I have the sinus issue, which is why I didn't do a show last night, because I was just a terrible headache, facial pain of uh, you know, coughing up crap and I tickle in my throat, which I still have now. So I decided to just relax last night and it's a little bit better now, but not much, you know? So, um, this is probably the worst, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to talk about my medical conditions here, but what are you going to do? But this is probably the worst period of sinuses. Is there something going on? Is our allergies and sinuses this May and June worse than ever before? Because this is the longest and most intense sinus issue I've ever had in my life. I usually have this around this time of year, but it'll be maybe a week. It'll go away. But this has been several weeks. It's like just lingering and lingering and lingering. And you kind of think to yourself, where does all this gook come from? <laughs> How does this generate so much of this stuff? It just never seems to go away. And it's the most disgusting thing, sinuses. Anyone who's ever had a sinus problem knows it's, it's kind of a disgusting problem <laughs> to have. Um, so hang in there with me because I might be coughing and sneezing and blowing my nose because I don't like the mute button. I like I like real life. I like real I like reality show, you know, so I'm not going to cover up any of this stuff. Oh, so, you know, it's tough when you're on vacation. So I shouldn't talk too loud, but when, when you're on vacation, um, you don't you're not as in tune with what's going on. It's just your mind kind of drifts a little bit. Right. You can't, your mind kind of drifts a little when you're out of your, your usual routine. And so I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm in Miami, right? I was in Miami. And when I was in Miami, Trump was down there, right? They did the indictment down there. And I was totally out of it. I mean, the indictment's like five minutes away from me. And I'm not even paying attention to it. You know, I'm not even, it's funny, if I was in San Francisco, I'd be paying attention to it. Then I'm on vacation, and this is happening five minutes from me, and I had no inclination what was happening. I didn't go there. I wasn't going to go anyway. But suddenly, he was indicted, right? And and this is crazy. Think about this. This is a little weird. This is a little weird. So I'm in Miami, and the Trump indictment happens. And then I fly to New York, and as soon as I get to New York, uh, Daniel Penny is indicted. He was indicted today here in New York. Isn't that weird? Everywhere I go, someone who shouldn't be indicted is getting indicted. So there's some stuff to talk about. But what was really amazing is that uh, someone shared this. I don't watch 
Look, I don't watch Trump's speeches. I don't have Trump derangement syndrome. I don't need to watch his speeches. I don't need to watch his speeches to adore him. I don't need to watch his speeches to get, you know, all pent up and hate him. I know what he does. It's, I don't, it's an old act. But evidently, for some reason, PBS shows his speech. And you're thinking PBS is showing a Trump campaign speech or something. And under his speech, there's a, there's a, what they call a Chiron, C-H-Y-R-O-N, a Chiron. And the Chiron says, experts warn that inflammatory rhetoric from elected officials or people in power can prompt individual actors to commit acts of violence. Now, this is running during Trump's campaign speech. And you're thinking to yourself, am I, am I seeing this right? Nah, I know it's PBS, but they're not going to, they're not going to do that. Now, something had happened on Fox where Trump was, where Biden was giving a speech and they wrote on the Chiron, wannabe dictator uses his political power to go after his enemies, his political enemies. So people went nuts. The left went nuts. Obviously what happened was some intern or someone got in there and wrote that. Because normally you wouldn't see that on Fox. You wouldn't see something like wannabe dick. You wouldn't see that kind of editorializing on a Chiron. But the left went nuts. And yet, and yet, they have nothing to say about PBS. And remember, PBS, Fox, if you're a moron, you think Fox is news. You think Fox is unbiased news. If you're only if you're a moron. But PBS pretends to be real news, right? Most people, if you polled them, they would say, you know, Fox is not real news, but PBS is real news, right? The general electorate. And this whole Trump speech happened, there's a little, it says PBS News Hour. PBS News Hour. It doesn't say PBS Opinion Hour. It says PBS News Hour. And next to it, it has the word context. And then it gives that little thing. Who are the experts that warn that inflammatory rhetoric from elected officials or people in power can prompt individual actors to commit acts of a hoo hoo. What what's what what the wannabe uh, psychiatrist? Where, where where are these experts? Please show them. Can the experts come on? This is the same shit they did during COVID, right? They just use the word experts whenever they want to, but they don't have to actually say who those experts are or what they're an expert in or how what they're saying actually adds up with facts and evidence. They don't do that. They don't have to. They just put the word experts. And what I've learned, you know, the experts said that the Stanley Cup final, that Florida and Vegas, neither team would get anywhere near the Stanley Cup final. That's what the quote-unquote experts, sports experts, hockey experts, and yet what happened, right? So the experts seem to be wrong all of the time these days. In fact, the experts are never right. Why are they called experts? Well, because they're self-proclaimed experts. And then their lackeys in the media call them experts. But who are these people? Who are they? This is propaganda. This is communist-type propaganda. I mean, and then PBS, in the same breath, will think, well, will we'll scream and say, why is uh, Elon Musk calling a state-run or state-sponsored, uh, state-funded media? Well, isn't it obvious now, there's a reason why PBS put that there. 
Yes, there's Trump derangement syndrome of the left-wing kind, but but no, no, no. It all comes down to follow the money, baby. It's virtue signaling. It's virtue signaling time to the state, to the government, which funds them, because they are partially at least state-funded media, and in large part to their donors who absolutely get off on stuff like that. They will denounce it when Fox... When a Fox intern or someone gets in there and puts a funny little cry on for a few seconds, they'll go crazy. But when PBS NewsHour and most of those left wingers will tell you till the day they die that PBS is real news, real fair and balanced news, they get off on that. So they're playing they're, they're virtue signaling to the state, Biden, the government and to their viewers who fund them. This is exactly what Elon Musk was talking about. Even if you're 20% funded by the government and 80% funded by private individuals, the 20% is a decent sum, but also the 80 taxpayer money, but the 80% that you're getting from your donors are from all of one political bent. You understand that? They're from all of one political bent. So you are, regardless of anything, you are state-run media. Now, they're playing to the communist agenda. This is what communists do. They put cryons like this. And it's incredibly sad that no one in the media called them out on this. Nobody in the media called them out for this absolutely insane cryon. If you're going to put a cryon like this under Trump, you've got to put it under Biden. Biden says MAGA, deplorables, Hillary Clinton, MAGA king, MAGA, dangerous MAGA. That's hate speech. Didn't Biden, am I, am I, um, my memory not serving me correct? Didn't Biden say the unvaccinated were horrible people and they were going to kill everybody? Is that not inflammatory rhetoric? Is that not inflammatory rhetoric that can cause people who are vaccinated to do acts of violence against those that are unvaccinated? Did PBS ever run that cry on when, when, when Biden said the unvaccinated are terrorists, basically? Did they run that cry on? No, of course not, because they're full of shit, because they are state-run media. They are commies. This is what commies do. If you want to know what it's like to live in communist China, watch the PBS News Hour, and then you'll know what it's like to live in communist China. But the people who watch them are commies. They believe in communism. They all love communism. They prefer communism over capitalism. They prefer communism over democracy. This is what they are. So they eat this shit up, you know, they, they masturbate to this shit, which is why PBS does it. It's all for money. You see what we do for your dollar? Now stand by for our telethon. You can win an umbrella. Give us $80 a month and you'll get a tote bag. I'll be sipping a lot of water tonight. Sipping a lot of water tonight. So that's right there. You see the hypocrisy of the left in basically one less than 24 hour period, right? Where Fox runs the cry about a wannabe dictator and they go nuts. But yet PBS runs a context under Trump's speech saying inflammatory rhetoric, meaning, of course, we believe what he's saying is inflammatory rhetoric. That does not that does not bother the left at all. Now, I would say I think it's hilarious that someone got in the Fox News editing booth and put that up there about Biden being a wannabe dictator using his political 
his political power to go after his enemies. And I think there's actually quite a bit of truth to that. Now, if you're a Trump hater, <laughs> you might think there's some truth that he does inflammatory rhetoric. Fine. But I'm going to be very even-handed here. Neither Fox nor PBS should be running those things underneath speeches. Now, I say the Fox one is a lot less, let's say the PBS one is a lot worse than the Fox one because the PBS one is out, was obviously, it was up there for a long time. I think maybe the whole, and it was put up by their news division. It was very obvious that the Fox one, that some, you know, funny, <laughs> spiteful intern, someone was trying to do a gag or something and put that in there. So there's a big difference, obviously. A big difference. But the fact of the matter is that what it comes down to is what I said at the beginning of this, that most people will tell you that Fox News is not real news, but PBS is real news. Therefore, when PBS runs a cry on like this, it's a thousand times worse than when Fox does it, especially when it says PBS News Hour next to it. But this is where our media is. We are in a really bad state, folks. I've talked about this before. I've talked about it before. I want to. I want to congratulate a friend of mine, Frank Morano, who works at WABC Radio here in New York. He does the overnight show. Does even crazier hours than I do. He's on from one to five in the morning Eastern time, uh, five nights a week. And he was now, I think, number sixty-five or in top one hundred of Talkers Magazine of talk show hosts in the country. I want to thank. He's a really nice guy. Frank had me on his show last year. And he's a, he's a good guy and I'm happy for him. So I want to put that out there and you should check it out sometime. 77 WABC radio. Um, so it's, I mentioned that because I talk about the media and what it used to be and what it can be and, uh, and what it is now for the most part, which is just, it's, it's, it's horribly, it's, it's just this, uh, um, we call it. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> You know, some people have said that they're activists, they're political activists. What we're seeing is political activism. I've said this myself, not journalism. But it's kind of worse than that, right? Because if you're a political activist, everyone knows you're a political activist, right? So they'll take you with a grain of salt. We agree with what you say or we don't agree with what you say. You're a political activist. But when it comes to this, People think this is real news. They don't think it's political activism. Therefore, there's a bit of a brainwashing or maybe even more than a bit of a, a brainwashing element to it, right? That you can put this up there and people will believe it's real news. Expert, remember, they even use the word experts. They don't say we warn you. They don't say PBS warns you. They don't say that some people at PBS believe or PBS believes. They say experts or they're talking about everyone. This is like the worst kind of journalism ever, isn't it? If you're writing a journalistic piece and you say, some people say, <laughs> that is that is very typical of lazy journalism, right? Some people say, even Trump, they're funny. PBS is doing this, the same thing Trump does, because Trump's been guilty of that, but he's not a uh, a journalist, you know, people say, some people say, they say, who? And this is just bad journalism. When you say, some people say, many people say, people say, who are those people? They're people in your head. They don't really exist. So this is once again showing how bad journalism has gotten, how rock bottom it has gotten.
because it's become such a money game now. It's become such a money game. Like I said, always follow the money. And while, yes, most people that were, I'm sure everyone that works at PBS is a flaming communist. I guarantee it. They care about money. They're commies who care about capitalism. Isn't that funny? They're commies who love capitalism, right? Because they want the government to give them this money so they can make money. And they want their viewers to give them money. They hold the telethon every other hour, you know? So, and they're putting that there to make more money. They want to keep that cash flow coming. So they have to remind their viewers, they have to virtue signal to their viewers that we still really hate Donald Trump. We got to remind you of that. Of course, it's not up to a news outlet to love or hate any one politician. Any one politician. So it's gotten very bad because the money game is so much bigger than it used to be. <coughs> and there are outlets like PBS that are afraid they're going to go away. They're afraid they're going to go away. They don't have the support or the viewership they used to have because more people are starting to catch on to them. And so as more and more people start to catch on to them, they continue to lose to hemorrhage viewers. And, uh, and it's a money game. Look, I've criticized Fox News for this. I haven't watched Fox News in over a month. I'm tired of the Trump ass kissing. And the reason why they kiss Trump's ass is the same reason, basically, why PBS puts up that cry on is because they know who their audience is and their audience, the remaining audience, because they lost probably half of it. I don't know the exact number, but a lot, a huge chunk of it when they fire Tucker. They're, most of their remaining audience are Trump Omega, Trump supporters, and they don't want to lose them because they lose them, they're done. So they're going to play to them. You know, they make sure that they're very favorable to Donald Trump, which means not being favorable to Ron DeSantis. And I got tired of watching that. So they're all guilty of this because they're all worried about their bottom line, right? They're all worried about their money. They're worried about survival. Look, more and more people, look at Twitter with Tucker with his 10 minute, he's doing these 10 minute videos, right? He used to do an hour show five nights a week. Each night he'd get what? I don't remember his view. Three, five million, something like that. Good number, great number, fantastic number. But now it's like 30 million views for a 10 minute video, 50 million views for doing 10 minutes. So this is where it's at now. And look at what Fox did. They sent a cease and desist order to him because they were afraid. They're afraid of going away. They're afraid of being obsolete. And all of these cable networks, all of these new shows, new stations are afraid of one day very soon being obsolete. So they really, what that will cause is, is more bias. Okay. It'll cause them to be more biased, less fair, less newsy, because they have to all play to a certain audience, right? PBS has to play to a certain audience. Fox has to play to a certain audience. And they need to keep these audiences to stay afloat. And that is causing journalism to be flushed down the toilet. There's really no good journalism anymore. You need to find the independent people who don't rely on that kind of a money source like uh, Glenn Greenwald, right? You have to people who work for themselves to do maybe Patreon accounts or whatever it may be. Those are the people that you're going to get the best, fairest journalism from. 
because they're not so reliant on that almighty dollar to have their network stay alive and uh, and uh, and not become antiquated, which is really where it's going with cable news. I think with social media now, there's very little chance these networks, I would say a decade from now, I don't want to be like those climate people who say a decade from now, we're not going to be here and then everything's fine. But I'm going to say a decade from now, I wouldn't be surprised if one or more of these networks are gone. With social media becoming so more, much more active when most people are going, look, most young people don't have cable. Most young people don't watch PBS or Fox or CNN or NBC. They get their news from their social media apps or the websites they go to. And so think about those generations. Once the older generations, look, 10 years ago, like the average age viewer for like MSNBC was like 68. That was like a decade ago. It's probably 70 something now. And so think about that. As those generations die off, the younger ones aren't watching. And they're doing absolutely nothing to bring in the younger viewers. So they're going to have to go away. That's just math. They're going to go away. They're going to become obsolete. I guess they're not going to be essential workers anymore. Huh? I guess that's what's going to happen. They're not going to be essential workers anymore. So what dies journalism? What get hurt? What get hurts journalism? We can't get real news anymore. We can't get real news anymore. It's hard to pull up a story that's just, you know, if I want the facts about a case, I don't want opinion. I don't want spin. I want the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. The Friday. So it's like just the facts. You can't find it. You can't. You'll start reading the article and then all of a sudden you'll see it's opinion. It's spin. It's not a fact. It's not a factual written article. Donald Trump did a speech today and he spoke about the economy. He spoke about abortion. He spoke about his opponent, Ron DeSantis. He said he's uh, better for the country. He said he will get the economy going like he used to. He's saying that that that's news. That's news. It's not experts warn that inflammatory rhetoric from this guy can make people go out and kill everybody. That's not fucking news. Are you kidding me? That's not news. I just gave you the news. This is what Donald Trump talked about. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. See you tomorrow. That's it. You can't find that anymore. You can't. You can't. Do I think Biden's a wannabe dictator? Absolutely. As is Trudeau, as is Newsom, as is every liberal Democrat that's reared their ugly head over the last three and a half years. But I wouldn't run it, obviously, as a cryon on my news network. I would simply say this is what Joe Biden said. Then people who read it can do what they want with that. And you can't, you simply can't find it anymore. And look at this. This is a video. People say, well, Mike, just watch the Trump speech. There you go. No one's talking, no commentators, no moderators. But look, they can't even allow that. They can't even allow just a Trump speech. They have to put their little disclaimer, their little context under it. Also as though um, morons are watching, infants are watching, adults aren't watching this. Adults can't make their own decisions about what they're hearing. I watch Donald Trump and I make my own decision. I don't need their cryon. I don't need their context. I don't need anyone's context. I don't need Fox's cryon or context. Cryons are probably the worst thing that ever happened. There should not be any cryons. 
unless something's a conflict of interest, and then they don't put the cryon up. That's how hypocritical these morons are. If there's a conflict of interest between the person who's on the television and what they're saying, and you should put it up there, but they don't do that. That they should do and they don't. Otherwise, they should be no cryon. These cryons are, what is this, eight-year-olds? I'll watch. I'll know what they're saying. I'll, I'll interpret. Well, I'll make my own interpretation of what they're saying. I'll make up my own feelings and opinions about what's being told to me. I don't need you to do that for me. Like I'm fucking three years old. So you wonder who invented these things. Morons invented these things. Some jerk who thought he was a genius said, hey, let's put, what about a cryon, which will describe what's happening. Instead of people just watching and understanding what's happening, we're going to describe to them like they're infants what's happening. Come on. Give me a break. All right. So there's that. There's that. Um, a couple of other things I want to talk about. If anyone wants to jump in, go ahead. Westfield Center is closing. So it's like, it's terrible. It's like, I've only been away for a week and a half. You know, and Westfield Center is the mall, for those of you who don't know the story, in San Francisco and in, in Union Square. So this would be like a mall, a major mall closing in in like the biggest tourist area in any city. This would be like a, a big mall closing in Times Square, right? It would be like a big mall closing on the Vegas Strip. So it's the Westfield Mall is in Union Square in San Francisco and it's closing. So stores inside there started to close. And then now we're hearing that Westfield is, uh, is, is, is leaving. They're pulling out of San Francisco. So just kind of conflicting news stories about what's going to happen. It's a huge space. Oh, and the Cinemark movie theater, which is a movie theater, which was on top. You know, these malls have movie theaters, usually on the upper level. And this one is on the top level and it's closing. That's it. I think it showed us last movie today. So, Everything is closing. This is the bottom line. I don't care about, I don't know why they're, who's taking over, what the financial situation is. It's just, it's happening over and over again in San Francisco. It's not like it's a one-off, okay? It's not like it just happens once. It's like it's happening everywhere. It's not like this. Everything is closing in San Francisco. This is what I have to look forward to, you know, going back to in a few days is, is this, is everything is closed. There's nothing anymore. I'm telling you. There's nothing there. It's a disaster. There's the homeless there. I was thinking about this. Jenny, I'll get to you in one second. The homeless there have taken over the city. I was thinking about this just walking around Manhattan a few hours ago. I was thinking, all right, the, the tourists and the people who working and people who have homes way outnumber the homeless people. It does not feel like that in San Francisco. It does not feel like that. It feels like the homeless people outnumber the tourism combined with people who live there who have homes it really does seem like there are more homeless people on the streets than non-homeless people in san francisco that's the way it feels to me especially when you come to a city like new york where there's absolutely homeless but they have not taken over you know the entire city in numbers and in tents and in encampments and all this stuff so it's a, san francisco is an utter disaster an utter disaster and don't let morons like London Breed or Dean Preston. And by the way, there was like a, the Dean Preston's a board of supervisors moron and he and London Breed were going at each other, I believe, at the uh, board of supervisors meeting yesterday. 
They were sniping at each other. I love it when lefties snipe at each other. Who's more of a left? Who's more? Who's the worst lefty? Right? Who's ruining the city more? Well, they'll all ruin the city. Democrats have ruined these cities all for decades. It's been a slow eroding. Okay, and it's one of these things where it was a slow erosion, and COVID policies mandates were the final nail in the coffin of these cities. Hey, on the block, I'm sure everyone calls you Jenny on the block, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am from Detroit, so oh, there you maybe, go. That, there you maybe go. that fits. You're the one with the New York accent. What are you doing out in San Francisco with that New York accent? Yeah, when I when I come to New York for vacation, it, it comes out more. I like, bet. Some, my it does. He gets on the phone with his mother and he starts talking Southern Utah. Yeah, exactly. Um, people do that. You know, I don't even think that's, you know, people think that's phony sometimes, but it's not. It just brings out, it you go back does. into your element, right? Yeah. Just, you know. So I don't know if you noticed, but I put in the chat, I just watched this video and it just blew my mind. A state Senator Scott Folk in California, oh. okay. he just made a speech, said parents flee for your lives from the state of California. Totally serious. Did he make this speech on the floor of the legislature? Or was I don't he just know. Oh, okay. He's a state Senator though, but he, he said, uh, you know, we, we're always talking about the rights of children, but we never talk about parental rights. And apparently they just passed this bill that um, will make it easier for the state to grab the kids if parents don't sign off on gender stuff. Oh, boy. So, oh, did so you see like, that? Yeah, but that's Scott Weiner of San Francisco. He's the one who's the he's the one who's the architect of all of these bills that destroy children that uh that take the innocence away from from children this is and also take the control away from the parents all those bills are written by scott weiner who's yeah. a uh, groomer extraordinaire a very sick 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 man and so well, yeah the video the video yeah. short it's less than two minutes yeah and he just kind of lays it out and he, you can tell he's emotional he's really emotional and he said i'm as soon as i'm done here i'm i'm leaving i'm going to go to america <laughs> What's is that what he said I'm going to go yep, to America. That's what he said. Oh, that's funny. But he's just, he's right. He's right. I mean, it's, it's a bill. I think I spoke about this a couple of days ago that would take away uh, in a custody battle. It would take the child away from any parent who's not self, doesn't want to allow their child to get sexually mutilated. So if you have a seven-year-old and you have a divorce going on, what if both parents are on the same side? It's very right. possible. Have they discussed that? Does that mean, would they take the child away from both parents and put him in a foster home? He said in the speech that right now this only affects kids of divorce. But he said that's just the first step. You know it's going to go farther. But yeah, yeah but what the, if, the, what if the mother and the father both don't want the child, their dick cut off at six years old? Yeah. I would hope they they, both they'd parents. Him, they'd put him <laughs> in would... foster care. It's, well, it's ridiculous. That's the, first of all, that would never pass the con. That's, that's constitutional. Anyone can challenge that in court. It doesn't, wouldn't even go. Even I think even the California wacko commie courts would knock that down. It's ridiculous. They it can put hope. someone in foster care. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it would hope. Of course. Well, no. What is, what, what's the what's the law going to say? They. I know what Scott would like. He'd like the law to say they give him to him. He would love that. That that he would love. Scott gets the kid. That's his ultimate goal. This is a very sick guy. I, I really hate this guy. This is, a this is a dangerous person who could only get elected in sicko San Francisco. The only place 
he could get elected is Seco, Seco San Francisco. And look at these bills that this whack out comes up with. And unfortunately, because most of the, the overwhelming majority of the legislature there is Democratic, he gets these things through sometimes. That's the sad thing about it. Scott Wiener wouldn't be dangerous in a Republican-run legislature. It would just be one nut job, you know. But unfortunately, in California, he has a lot of power because his colleagues are as crazy as he is. Yeah, in places like where I'm in Boulder, Colorado, and they tend to kind of follow California's lead on everything, pretty much. So there are other places where they're carefully watching what's going down and, and setting policy and writing writing their policies for future votes. And it's, you know, just this kind of, I think it was Judge Bork who said slouching towards Gomorrah was the way he put it. Slouching. I love that. Slouching towards Gomorrah, which it basically is. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine why any parent would want to raise their child in California. This is, this is, you have to just get out. Just go, leave, take your kids and leave because I would not want to bring up my child in this, in this crazy world of California. Yeah. My, my best friend grew up in East LA. She's Hispanic and native American and has seven kids. And when they had the chance to go, they, they left and they went to Missouri and she said, it's not, it's not just expensive. It's dangerous. First day they took their oldest kid to school, you know, it had to check them through a fence and everybody's padded down for guns and, who wants to have this, you know, as your kid's school experience? And so they, they moved to Missouri and it's much quieter. Yeah, I don't blame them. This is what a lot of people have done. This is why, you know, millions of people are leaving California because they just don't want to deal with this anymore. They don't want to deal with, you know, having to uh, raise their kids in, in such a place. And I don't, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. But I believe this is partly what these people want, these uh, politicians want. They want only the people who are like them and agree with them to live in California. It's better for them, isn't it? They have no opposition. They're constantly getting reelected without any opposition. I live in a one-party county in Boulder. It's so left that, you know, you don't even really need to bother to vote for any local elections because the candidate the candidates hardly run you know because it's so pointless but it is it is interesting watching how arrogant they get with that power and how assumptive they are towards other people's property and other people's businesses and um it is definitely a a totalitarian ish type posture that we all need to kind of stand up and speak about it's why i got so interested in national politics because at least in national politics i could kind of have a voice and share my views. It's pointless to do it here locally. But um, I do watch what they do quite a bit, especially around school board issues and whatnot. And again, there's just kind of this arrogance that, you know, we are the anointed, we're in charge, you need to sit down and be quiet. And uh, it, it's funny. It's funny to me that the arrogance. It's, I guess, funny could be a word <laughs> you to use. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's also very pathetic, you know, um, that people can be so ignorant. It really is that people can be so ignorant. But, but this really shows the uh, degradation of society. I mean, it wasn't very long ago, Jenny, where 
No one would even entertain the idea of allowing a seven-year-old to decide that they're going to be the opposite sex, that they're going to mutilate themselves permanently. No, who would have entertained that? Let's throw a year out there, 10 years ago. I'm not talking about 1950. Of course, this would have been like, you know, like science fiction alien crap to them. But 10 years ago, I didn't hear people, I didn't hear people backing this. Now, I know, I've talked about this, that the left wins the wording game, right? They, 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 they win the language game because they call it gender affirming, right, Jenny? So what kind of awful parent would prevent their child from getting gender affirming care? It's almost like, it almost sounds like a parent who won't allow their child to see a child therapist, right? Oh my God, you're, what are you doing? You're not allowing your child to see a therapist? No, we know what it is. It's not gender-affirming care. It's gender mutilation. It's body mutilation. That's what we need to call it. That needs to be in the fabric of the American mind, not gender-affirming. That word affirming is so warm. What mean person doesn't want a warm word like that? But it's not. It's mutilation. It's permanent mutilation at a young age that when they regret it 10, 15 years later, they can never go back and they probably end up being depressed and killing themselves like so many of them do. Yeah, we, we have five kids and our youngest is just about to turn 21. And so I've been through the teenage years with five people. And you're so desperate as a parent to stay connected to your child as you feel them getting sucked into whatever vortex is seducing them that, you know, we didn't have to go through the gender thing, but we went through other things. And you know, you feel the influence of the culture and their friends and their teachers kind of pulling them away from what your values are and what your beliefs are. And it, it's hard to let let them go. You know, you have to because eventually you want them to assume their own identity and develop their own political and religious views. And that's great. But, you know, you just don't want them to get, you know, just run over like they're roadkill. And I think so many of these kids, they just get sucked into the vortex not even really understanding how they're being played. And and then, you, like you say, 10, 15 years down the road, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be a parent. As a mom, I'm never going to be able to breastfeed my kid. Yep. You know, and they're not even thinking about those things. Yeah. And so I, you know, the backlash is building though, Mike. I know it is. I'm seeing it. Well, I hope culture. you're right. It's big, especially around women's sports. There's a lot yeah. of really brave athletes stepping up. And, and really, uh, I just read a study today, actually, uh, young people, you know, you 100% supportive of transgenderism. How do you feel about it? And again, the backlash is building with the kids that they're mm. like, something's, something's off here. It's too much. It's being pounded everywhere. It's all over the culture. And, and they can feel that they're being played. And so I, I think the backlash is going to be beautiful because we'll get some reconciliation and hopefully some justice for some of these kids who've had their lives destroyed. Well, Jenny, you bring that up about, you know, regretting something. Look at how many things people regret. Forget about seven years old. Things people do when they're 18, 20, 25, right? And then 20 years later, when they're 40, 40, they regret. If they say, what do people always say all the time? If I knew then what I know now, right? But that's like after they've already been reached adulthood. I mean, to think a seven-year-old or a 12-year-old can make these decisions and that they're not going to have regrets 20 years down the line is absolute insanity. I think the hypocrisy really shows up with this whole, you know, you are hurting me with your look 
or you are a misogynist because you're sizing me up sexually, or you are, you know, uh, assaulting me with your behavior in the workplace. But it's okay for a transgender dude to come dance naked in front of a bunch of kids. You know, that we, that we have to be okay with. Yeah. But if you, if you deign to, you know, whistle at me, a fox whistle, or, or look at me in a seductive way, then you're evil and you need to be canceled. Right. It's this level of duplicity uh, um, amongst the female side of things, you know, that I get really angry with. That these, these women, especially the ones who are, you know, kind of, there's this sickness among some moms. They virtue signal about their kids who are trans. I don't know if you've seen this. And they're, they're the ones who are like, oh, my, on their blogs, I, I'm just so such a great mom because I'm supporting my transgender child or my non-binary child. And, you know, it's almost like they're bullying their own kids. Into well, they're pushing their own agenda on their children. Yeah, just right? so they can virtue yeah. signal about how supportive they're being. That right. is some really sick stuff. But Terrible. these are the same. These are the same broads who you get them in a working <laughs> environment, and some man comes at them, you know, and tries to ask them out or whatever. And you know, you're evil. You need to. You need to sit down. Shut up. I, it's this level of lunacy that I I constantly am pointing to. I agree with you 100, Jenny. It really is. I don't look. There are a lot of bad parents out there. There always have been. But what's happening now is dangerous, right? It's very, very dangerous. I mean, we talk about it all the time, right? That all the parents fuck their kids up, right? That's what most of uh, therapy is about, right? How my, how my mother screwed me up. <laughs> but this is taking it to a whole new level. We have these whack jobs who want to impose their own weird, uh, I say fetishes, right? Or their own agenda on their innocent children. These are people who never should have had children in the first place. And, and they're ruining them. And that's why it's important for governors like DeSantis and so many Republican governors around the country. What they've done is they've made laws to prevent parents and prevent doctors from doing this, where they can go to jail if they do this to their children. That's what we need. Yeah, where in California, they're doing the opposite, the exact 180, right? That's the backlash we're seeing that's so important. And eventually, I think we'll have a Supreme Court decision one way or the other and but i'm concerned about the human wreckage that happens right. between now and five or ten years when we get that definitive yes you cannot mutilate children's bodies ever you know i think that decision will come but it's going to take some time oh god like we, we, it's amazing we need that kind of a decision right you you can you just said you can't mutilate children's bodies ever we need this we need that we need john roberts to rule on this it's insane. Well, it, it needs to be done sooner than later. I agree. But it's, it's just a, a shame. And it shows where we are that it's almost like this is like a third world thing. You know, it is. Didn't they do that? Was it the South? Was it? Am I getting this right? Where they mutilated the girls? Is that South Africa? I think it's in some Islamic countries. They right. would do a clitorectomy with the girls. Yeah. And in some actually some Muslim communities here in America. There have been what? doctors who've been outed, like up in Dearborn in Michigan, where I grew up. There's a huge Islamic community, and they were doing it to some of the young girls. And this person, the doctor who was doing it, she was arrested. Now, when that happened, there's not one person in this country, including the most ultra-left person, who would say that that should be done to girls. They'd be exactly. like giving money to charities to stop that stuff from happening, right? And yet, look at what they're in favor of now. The exact 
same thing. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, it makes well, me the, sick, Jenny. It, I've read a lot of research on this. There's a group called GenSpec. Have you heard of them? No. G-E-N-S-P-E-K. They have been doing studies and finding out who uh, is, is the moneyed interest behind all of this. And it's all drug companies. And, yeah. and the reason why is because these uh, pharmaceutical companies get a customer for life who will need puberty blockers and testosterone and progesterone and medical care when they have these transitions, especially the surgical transitions. They have a customer for life, mental health meds, you know, mm-hmm. the, the money never stops once a kid is transitioned. And so right. uh, it's been estimated that, that each child is worth millions of dollars mm. long term. And so it is kind of these sneaky pharmaceutical guys who are setting up the gender affirming clinics and, you know, finding the doctors. A lot of more cosmetic surgeons who've tra- completely moved their practices into gender transitions. And these clinics are all over the country. Yes, they are. They're all over the country, you know. So we're in such a dangerous spot right now, Jenny. It feels like we can go one way or the other, right? I'm, I'm hoping you're up, I'm optimistic that you're right, that the majority of people in this country are not, don't have the views of the coastal elites where they're not going to go for this. And parents, the majority, not, just, not the wacky ones, but the majority are going to, good parents, who the majority are good parents, are going to come out and they're going to fight this. I hope so. There's a lot of confusion about how best to move forward. Right. And um, so... You know, I'm I'm glad my kids are grown. I'm I'm watching my grandkids, looking for ways I can support them, mm-hmm. knowing knowing what's the culture. It's tricky. Jenny, thanks for the call. It was a great call. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay. Now now this is uh, Elon Musk's good friend Daniel. Daniel. Oh yeah, we're pals. <laughs> I say that because what well, was this your like twelfth ban? What's that? Is this your twelfth? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think this was my second in like two months for my. Uh, it was a week long ban uh, for just say, say, telling somebody that they are simply deranged. That was I said you're deranged, simply deranged, something like that. Um, and, and, and that got an automatic ban within two seconds. They're on your ass, man. Yeah, <laughs> because oh, yeah. I, I, I think I said a couple of days ago I was like. Scott Wiener is like a groomer, extraordinaire, disgusting, pedophile, evil cop. That <laughs> I didn't get a ban. Yeah, yeah. You just you just called the guy deranged, and they banned you for seven days. Yeah, yeah. So. But but two months ago, the same thing happened. It was it was something as as milk toast as that, and uh, banned again. And it's this automatic banning. It's 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 as though um, I, next time I have to note. Um, who I'm responding to, and I took a screenshot of it this time, to just to see if I'm if it's if if it's like a decoy um, account or something, and and if you respond to it in any, if if certain people respond to it in any remotely negative way, you get automatically banned for a week or something like that. I don't, you know, it, it it's very bizarre because that word deranged can't be on their list of words to ban people. You, so, yeah, I know you would you would you would think not, but but no. that, that's why yeah that's that's why I'm entertaining at least the idea that uh, there are, that some uh, el- rogue elements in in uh, um, in the Twitter um, corporation um, have set set up uh, kind of decoy accounts accounts that they monitor 
And uh, if anyone responds in any negative manner, they had them, they have them automatically banned. Maybe they have their own set of uh, of uh, words that they that they are applying um, automatically. I, I just think there's. I think I don't think Elon has the whole situation under control. No, obviously he doesn't. Based on your yeah. case, I because I figured that I've written some horrible, getting a little back. Are you uh, on the street? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're probably going to get a little wind here now and then. Oh, it's wait. It's windy in San Francisco. Oh, I can can't you believe it? Back. I can't wait. You know what? I, I, I've had enough of this 80 degree weather. I've had enough of this 80 degree. Oh, weather. shut up! <laughs> yeah, I've had enough. I need to get back to June gloom. Yeah, June it's probably gloom. around 55 right now. Yeah. Oh God, it's terrible. There's nothing good about San Francisco. Let's face it. Yeah, There's that was a. Good. That was an interesting uh, little um, exchange between uh, woke breed and woke Preston yesterday, wasn't it? That was uh, both of them acting as racist and calling each other racist simultaneously. Well, I'm gonna, in a bit, in a little bit, I'll, I have two videos I want to play. One, I queued up the um, breed and the Preston debate. And then I've also queued up a great little piece. I think you've heard it. Kevin Kiley going after Javier Becerra. Oh, yeah. On masking te- two-year-olds, masking yeah. children. And that slimy son-of-a-bitch Becerra would not give him a straight answer. It was disgraceful. It was really yeah. disgraceful. But it was, it was, it was, it was entertaining. And, um, but good for Kevin. Good for it, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, good for Kevin. He's, he's, always, uh, he's always there defending our, our most basic fundamental rights, the, yep. the rights that are most important to us. Um, but that exchange between uh, Breed and, and Preston, Preston is a uh, board of supervisors in San Francisco, one of the board of supervisors, and, and uh, Breed is the mayor. And to watch these people who spend so much of their time calling everybody else racist that doesn't agree with them, call each other racist. Exactly. Was, and there's was, was the quite, irony. quite entertaining watching them eat their own. Yes. Well, I yeah. love watching the left. I love watching the illiberals, eat, to, to use your word, eat, eat yep. themselves to death. You know, yeah, because and, and they're all, yeah. and they're all kind of trying to out compassion themselves in different ways. And you know, I looked up yesterday, tried to find the best estimate of how many quote unquote homeless people there are in San Francisco, aka the mentally ill, Ill and mostly addicts, um, or who you see around here. Um, and there's a, a bit less than eight thousand is the estimated number. Compare that with the number that they uh, that the crime in this in this in this city and the decline of of uh, community and um, um, quality of life have introduced. Um, Eighty thousand approximately people have left the city since two thousand and twenty. Jeez. So we have eight thousand. So these people are, are you know you know talking and talking it up about you know and trying to out virtue signal each other about the needs. Of eight thousand people. Meanwhile, they totally disregard the, the needs of eighty thousand people, which just could not take it in the city anymore, anymore, and left. And 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 you tell and you tell them crack down on them, enforce the law. You can't use drugs like this on the street. Crack down on them. Oh, we can't do that because of harm reduction, whatever the hell that means, because it keeps on creating more harm. And 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 oh, they won't get treatment just because you lock them up. Well, but they have admitted that the statistics easily show that when you do lock them up, they leave the city. You know, you and, and, and I. So, and so they, what they're doing here, let me just finish this last time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, they're, what they're doing here is they're saying it's okay to force 
normal, moral, be, moral be people out of the city, 10 times as much as them out of the city than it is to force 8,000 people who are doing nothing but sucking resources out of the city. They're saying, oh, we can't force these people out of the city by, by, by locking them up. But they're totally willing to force 80,000 respect, respectable people and respectful people out of the city. Yes. And 80,000 people, by the way, that's a lowball number. But even that number is 10% of the population. That's yeah. crazy. Yes. A tenth of the population in two years is, is insane. It's insane. Yeah, it, it is insane. It is absolutely insane. And, 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 and so they're saying, yeah, it, that is the bottom line. They're saying it's okay to force 80,000 people out that are law-abiding, respectful people. But those 8,000 that are abusing the hell out of everybody else that aren't respectful, we got to do something for them. We can't force them out of the city. Uh, yes, it's it's absolutely insane. It, it is. is. You and I should go to a, one of those meetings one week, one of those board of supervisors meetings, and we can go up and talk, and then maybe we can scream at the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do one of those uh, those Jordan screams or something. Yes, yeah. one of those primal screams at the end. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. let them understand exactly how we're feeling. That could be yeah. something you and I could do together in tandem. In tandem. Oh, yeah, there you go. Have they harmonized one yet? No, I don't think so. I think it would be great. Yeah, we can we can work out some har- harmonies to a uh, to a scream. Yeah, that that'd be that'd be that'd be perfect. Yeah. I'm always talking about the news, but I never tr- you know what? I've never thought about actually being the news. Maybe we should be the news. Why not? We what? I said we should be the news. I'm always talking about the news. I've never thought about being the news. Oh, we could be the yeah. news. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Well, yeah, I I I, I have a. You know about this. I have plans to to be the news at, at some some point. I, I just I, uh, just haven't made that decision yet because of a certain event that I'm waiting to happen. But um, back to to this this whole trans issue. You know, I've I've offered a number of uh, perspectives on this. One one is this that you know that part of this is happening because we ha- we have social media and we have the internet. And we have this different milieu of, of communicating, and we, and we have. And, and it creates this environment, this petri dish of, of bizarre ideas that aren't tested on a on a, con, a continuous basis against reality, and they just kind of percolate and um, and stew up and, and and grow in this milieu of social media until they spill over in the rest of the world, and then reality starts pushing back on it. Rather than the you know what we've lived with for since we've been able to communicate um, and 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 evolved with. It was, you know, continuous. I mean, by, by continuous, I mean moment to moment. You, there are ways to push back at uh, at weird behaviors, weird ideas that that simply cannot um, conform with reality. Um, they can, simply yeah. cannot coexist with reality or coexist with a functioning society. So those things were continually pushed back. But now we have this environment in which they, which they um, stew. And uh, they grow and they fester until they spill out into the real world. On top of that, we have this problem of, you know, that spreading widely. And so you have this social contagion element to this. And then wrapped in that whole that mix, you have this weird political stuff that's going on. And you've pointed out some of it where you have this really strange phenomenon that's happening with the um, liberal, now illiberal left, um, 
basically arguing against Title IX. They're saying, let men compete in women's sports. And then on the, on the right, people that were normally against Title IX are saying, no, <laughs> keep them out. They should be separate. It's, it's entirely flipped of where it would have been five years ago. That argument right. is entirely flipped. And, and so I really think that it's entirely possible that the end point of this whole trans legal and moral debate could be the dissolution of Title IX and that both sides will be sitting there with their jaw dropping and think, you know, after this ridiculous discussion has gone on for so long and they'll both then be realizing that they ultimately provided arguments for getting rid of, of, of Title IX as the only constitutionally acceptable outcome, like it or not. Right. Yeah, that's, that's very possible. Because under our I, Constitution, I can... you don't have a right to have equal outcomes. And that is what t- Title IX is essentially doing. It's saying, oh, you gotta, you got to give, um, um, based on gender or uh, gender or, or, or sexuality, you got to give people uh, essentially equal outcomes, equal opportunities, not equal opportunities com- to compete with everybody, but equal opportunities to compete in their own category. That simply cannot be constitutional. And, and at nope. some point, this is going to get argued, and it is quite likely that it is going to make its way to the Supreme Court on the backs of these transgender issues that are being raised. And that, that, they, right. they, and some of them will become legal battles and they will make it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court always doesn't always rule just, you know, who wins and who loses. They rule about the constitutionality of things and they can strike down Title IX if they want to. But what's so sad, and I've talked this before, is that the gay community doesn't seem to understand that all the hard work they've done to be accepted over the last two decades, three decades, you know, civil unions, gay marriage, etc., where finally the country's like, okay, great, whatever. They're losing all of it to this shit. They don't realize it because the coastal elites live in such a vacuum where all they, all they do is talk to each other, right? They live in that vacuum where they talk to one another. Oh, yes. Oh, we're doing great work. Oh, yes. Trans, the trans, yeah, go, go trans people, go trans. They don't realize that they've lost much of the country again. And it's such a shame. All of the hard work, so many uh, gay, lesbian, uh, bisexual activists have done since the 60s and 70s is being flushed down the fucking toilet because it is ridiculous. This ridiculous trans movement, which is such a small percentage of the population, they have hijacked the gay community and they've ruined them. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I, um, I don't know of of the LGB friends that I have, and I have about a half dozen of them that are friends from out in the community or friends at work. All of them are upset about this, and 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 at least half of them are kind of afraid to speak out about it. Well, and those are people who live in California. I mean, to think about what the people, hopefully, in Omaha, Nebraska are thinking, or Iowa are thinking, or Salt Lake City, Utah are thinking, and in much of the middle and southern part of this country, they hopefully, hopefully, the gays and lesbians and bisexual people in these areas of the country understand this. I hope so. But the coastal elites the activists on the coast are very, very loud. 
it's it's not just loudness of of that demographic. It's the, it's the amplification system, um, and what the system, what this amplification system favors amplify, and the amplification system is social media, and what it favors amplify is usually just it's, it's one it's one sided. I mean. Yeah, Musk has, has done something to to, to try to uh, free up that speech, and he's done a lot there on Twitter. But Facebook, YouTube, especially, it is still it's illiberal hell. Um, and yeah, I mean, all, all you need is major um, conduits of information like YouTube to just tip the the argument. Uh, in, fa- in favor of just, you know, one direction. And it, I mean, that, that that's a huge amplification factor. It just turns into a huge amplification factor. And people with that would have had very little influence in uh, two, in 1990 world um, have a terrible amount of influence uh, or, or appear, I should say, to have a terrible amount of influence. And that appearance um, can can paralyze people and think that they um, shouldn't act and and should keep their mouth shut. And people, I think, are realizing now that that is exactly what's going on. So we have essentially a um, the, the emperor has no clothes. The emperor really doesn't have uh, the, the might that um, people think because he's not simply not the emperor. Um, they, they magnified him this, this, these ideas and and that illiberal side of the demographic into appearing as so they. Um, had the might, but they really don't. And I think people are realizing that and they're, they're so they're slowly testing the bully and realizing the bully is, is weak need. And at some point there is going to be a pile on and a severe beating. Oh, uh, well, I hope you're right. I think you're, I, I, I once again, I, Jenny was, she, she yeah, got Jenny me was more optimistic. The same sort of thing. Yeah. She got me more optimistic about what's, 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 what's going on, you know, and I, I, I hope she's right. I hope she's right. I could be a pessimistic person because of where I live and what I'm surrounded by and what I see every day. But, you know, it's a, it's, it is possible that once again, even living in San Francisco, we're living in this vacuum. We don't realize what people in most of this country are thinking. Right. But I just want those people to really start to use their voices. I want the parents to start to use their voices. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm on BART uh, this morning, heading, heading into work at Berkeley. And um, once again, there's people smoking dope on the train. And people are getting up and, and moving their seat. And they're not doing anything about it. I, I'm sitting there and taking pictures, and I'm sending it to BART police and telling them what, what, what train they're on. But people, they just, they, they, they're, they're too, they're too, uh, they're weak. That's all I can say. They can't even report somebody's criminal behavior that is making our, that is causing such decay in our city. You, exactly. Because it, it's just it, it's the problem is the, the all the stuff. Look, I'm going to start taking the subway tomorrow. I mean, just like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I got it's too it's too expensive here in New York to do Ubers and lifts everywhere. The city's too big, so I'm going to take the subway tomorrow. I've been taking the subway here. Like for like three years, so we'll see, you know, what happens. But it's just it's normalized now. And then we prosecute, we indict someone like Daniel Penny today, who dares yeah. to fight back to save people's lives. It's insane. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, you can just walk the city. That's what I would do. Well, I can't walk to Brooklyn. Get out of here. 
Where are you walking crazy. from? Where, where are you walking from? Midtown Manhattan. It'll take me 80 years to walk You're, to Brooklyn. Put Brooklyn to Manhattan? No. What's that, like eight miles get, or something? Get, get goodbye. Daniel, have a good one. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Keep walking. Keep walking, Daniel. Run yeah, far. Got only three, three miles to go and I'm home. Okay. All right. <laughs> run, yeah, run forest. Good night. <laughs> run forest. Run. Okay. So, <laughs> Bill, I'll get to you in a second. Um, I want to play these two videos. And maybe you'll have something to say about this, too. But, okay, the first one is the, uh, the Board of Supervisors meeting between uh, Dean Preston here in San Francisco and Mayor London Breed. Here we go. If I can get this volume up. Let's see. All right, here we go. As us meeting, our offices uh, have been meeting on this topic. Uh, you have not been present at those meetings, and we have not been able to secure the commitment to issuing the RFP and uh, moving forward with an overdose prevention uh, site, and hence the questions. I would like to ask a follow-up, though, on this topic. I want to ask you about some of the current efforts being implemented uh, by your administration um, that are putting people at higher risk of fatal overdose infections and riskier behavior. To be clear, the city's overdose prevention plan, as I mentioned, written by DPH and endorsed by you, specifically noted that, quote, black, brown, and indigenous communities nationwide have long been impacted by and continue to be impacted by the racism and criminalization that have been the hallmark of federal U.S. drug policy for the past several decades. The plan also noted the importance of reducing stigma and removing barriers to services for people most at risk of overdose, and even recognize that, quote, punitive policies have not been shown to be effective at reducing overdose deaths, while incarceration is known to significantly increase risk of dying of drug overdose, close quote. So my follow-up question to you is this. Will you follow your own Department of Public Health's advice and end punitive policies, specifically arresting and incarcerating drug users. Here we go, another white man who's talking about black and brown people as if you're the savior of those people and you speak for them. I have a sister that I lost to a drug overdose in the city. I have friends and family members who have been lost in the tenderloin with no aggressive action, no changes to policies. Have you ever spent time talking to any of those same black and brown people who are uh, addicted to drugs on our streets in San Francisco to understand their challenges and what they need and what we need to do as a city to turn their lives around. That is the focus of what I plan to do, regardless of what you read or what you see in a particular report, which is a overall view of what's happening. The fact is, it's not just services. It's also force. You can quote all these statistics all you want, but at the end of the day, you've never lived in it. You've never experienced it. You don't know what most of these people and their family members are dealing with. So no, I'm not going to start using some sort of system based on what you suggested I should use. I'm going to continue to make sure that we are providing treatment, providing compassionate care, but at the end of the day, when we need to make arrests because someone's breaking the law and need to be held accountable and can potentially be forced into treatment of services, I'm going to do so. I've spent 
plenty of time talking to folks directly impacted in the community. I spend time every day speaking with those constituents. Um, I don't spend as much time uh, as you probably do meeting with the business interests that have been very clear that they want to arrest and incarcerate drug users here in San Francisco. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's a good one. Oh, God, who could be more of a bleeding heart, right? So Dean Preston, hey, Dirty Harry walked into the room. Watch out, everyone. Watch out. I know what you're thinking and all this lunacy and all this action that I shoot five bullets or six. Well, I'll tell you the truth. Okay, I was not going to go into the whole thing, but anyway. Um, and Walgreens Wolfgang, such a stupid name. Who's Wolfgang? What's he talking about? Wolfgang? Okay, I have no idea. You think that was really Eastwood? You know, Clint's, what, 93 now. So could be losing it a little bit. It's, I don't think Wolfgang is a new stupid name. Wolfgang. I think it's a, I'd love to be named Wolfgang. I think Wolfgang Kachopoli would be a great name. Anyway, I digress. Look, this is so funny that this is a, they're just <laughs> bitching and moaning to each other. You know, Dean Preston saying, oh, you, you're forcing people off the streets. You're criminalizing drug use and drug dealing. Imagine criminalizing drug dealing. How could we, why should we criminalize drug dealing? This guy's such a fucking idiot. I can't stand London Breed. But she wins on this one. I mean, come on, give me a break. Give me a break. This is what the, it's like, you're such an elitist. And it's not, I don't think it's a matter to do with Dean being white. I mean, London loves to use the race card, so it's apropos, but I just think it's elitism. It's just not getting it, right? It's totally elitism. It's living in your liberal commie fantasy world that doesn't exist that most people don't have to like run their lives and live their lives in that in that fake reality that you've you've developed <sighs> insane and they wonder with people like this with leaders like this why things are only getting worse why we're in a doom loop emphasis on the word doom in San Francisco and so many of our Cities run by the likes of Dean Preston. Okay, let me go to, let's see if I can find this. Yeah, okay, this is the other video. This is uh, Kevin Kiley talking to Javier Becerra. Remember, remember when uh, uh, Biden was introducing him like to, at the beginning of his term? What did he call him? What was Biden's name? We say Javier Baccarat, Baccarat. He knows the Bacala. This is two and a half years ago. Imagine that's two and a half years ago when Biden had a little bit more of his brain matter than he has now. Well, Javier Becerra, no, I just lost a damn video. Okay, this is the video of Biden. But this is, let me shut this up. This is obviously, um, this is Kevin Kiley talking to uh, Javier Becerra about uh, the, the mask mandates. And what really gets me about this whole exchange once I find it, and this is what we've talked about here so many times, is that these people who forced these things on us, who forced these mandates on us, right? Oh, no wonder I'm in the wrong section here. Uh, who forced these mandates on us, they don't admit that this is, this is such an amazing revisionist history. Once again, it's as though these things happened a hundred years ago, not a hundred minutes ago. 
And because they know that so many Americans are such morons with the, with the memory of a gnat that they can get away with lying like this. And this is not the first time they've said this over the last year or so when they've been pressed by the new Republican House on these issues. They say, what mandates? I, we've heard this not just from politicians in this country, but like Justin Trudeau, right? What mandates? We didn't force anyone to do anything. No one was forced to get the vaccine. No one was forced to mask. Where are you living in a world? No one was forced to sh- close their business. It's like, what do you want? I, I can't tell you. It's not legal for me to say what I want to do to these people. So I won't say anything. I'll Making take a sure trip. people hold were on. Mad. Hold on, sorry. That's when it was appropriate. Here it is. Okay, here, here's the exchange. Kevin Kiley and Javier Becerra. Uh, Mr. Secretary, did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? Do what now? Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? Making sure people wore masks when it was appropriate was essential to make sure that we were able to get out of this pandemic. Sure, but that wasn't my question. Could you answer the question that I asked? Which is? Did forcing two-year-olds to wear masks save lives? And who did the forcing? Well, your department, or the Head Start, which is under your department, had a mask mandate until late last year for two-year-olds and above, even outdoors. Uh, So can you point to any public health benefit of that policy? Right. We we never forced anyone to do anything because we don't have the jurisdiction or authority to do that. What we did was provide guidance on what would... Mr. Secretary, did Head Start have a mask mandate? We, we provide a mask mandate, a requirement for jurisdictions that wish to receive money to provide particular services. So Head Start did have a mask mandate for kids, yes? We, we had a mask mandate for uh, jurisdiction, I'm sorry, for agencies that wish to get federal dollars. So that's a yes. So services. can you point to any benefit, yes to any public question. health benefit from that policy, whether it was recommended or enforced or forced, of requiring young children to wear masks? Did families benefit from the policy of using all protection and all precautions to avoid... Uh, no, I'm not asking you to rephrase my question as some abstract question that you'd rather answer. I'm asking that you, as the person who's the Secretary of Health and Human Services, right now, can you point to any evidence that there was a public health benefit to forcing young children to wear masks? Well, the fact that uh, today we are not losing lives the way we lost them when we first got into this pandemic... And you think that's because we forced sign. two-year-olds to wear masks? That's your interpretation. What I'm saying to you is that using good policies that give us the precautions to keep uh, our families from contracting COVID are helping save I want to quote to you from an article from NPR in January of 2022. It says, the United States is an outlier in recommending masks from the age of two years old. The World Health Organization does not recommend masks for children under age five, while the European equivalent of the CDC doesn't recommend them for children under age 12. In retrospect, was it a mistake for the United States to defy the international norm on child masking? The U.S. has been working closely with our international partners, and we have done more than any other country. To try but that's to not what our, I asked you. I country, asked you, was it a mistake countries. to defy the international norm on the issue of child masking? We continue to use all the best practices when it comes to making sure people take the precautions. Is there a reason you're not safe. answering my question, Mr. Secretary? I'm, I'm answering the question the best, the best I can because you keep phrasing questions that are already geared to get a particular answer. Mr. Secretary? Isn't, isn't that... Isn't that what people hate the most about politicians? Mealy mouth, little slime balls like Javier Bachera. Isn't that what, isn't that what people hate about politicians? We just heard there in two and a half minutes. Now, what people love about politicians is Kevin Kiley. Not enough of those. Maybe 2% of them are like him. He asked a simple question. Where's the evidence that masking two-year-olds ended COVID? Where, can you please show the evidence? 
Show the evidence that masking two-year-olds save lives. Where are the numbers? Where's the data? Where's the evidence? Do we have it? Of course not. It doesn't have any evidence. It doesn't have guts. Guts on a stick, as we say here in Brooklyn. Nothing. He has nothing. And look at how he lies. He says, well, people aren't dying now. They were three years ago. Well, you know what? How about the flu pandemic of 1918? 50 million people died in a year. Then they didn't die anymore after that because these things go away, you fucking asshole. Where's your evidence that people, less people are dying four years later because two-year-olds wore a mask? Where's your evidence that less people are dying four years later because 20-year-olds wore a mask? No, the evidence will tell us that less people are dying four years later because the virus went away. It dies off as all of these things do. They get weaker. That's science, you fucking asshole. This is the science secretary, the health and human services secretary. He doesn't know that. He thinks we have less people dying four years later because of two-year-olds wearing masks. This fucking prick. Sorry, I shouldn't shouldn't yell, but I'm yelling because this is what people hate. This is what I hate about politicians. He never answered the question because he could, because the answer is no, we have no evidence. We pulled it out of our ass. And did you see the slimy fuck? The way he said, well, we didn't mandate anything. And then in the next sentence, he says, well, if they wanted money, they had to mandate. If they wanted our money, they had to do our mandates. What a fucking piece of shit this guy is. And I'm glad Kevin Kiley exposed him, although I would have been better. I would have called him a piece of political shit. Biden's little lapdog, a lapdog for a fucking dementia patient. Low life. Bill, can you add <laughs> Could you add anything to that, Bill? Man, you covered a lot of ground, but it's good to see you getting some righteous indignation out there, Mike. That's what it's about, you know? Mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. This is what does to me. gets me me going. (laughs) Brings you back to your roots. It brings me back to my roots. That's right. They get real. Isn't that insane, that that double speak? Well, we didn't mandate anything, but if they wanted our money, we mandated. Yeah, right, right. Oh, my God. Well, one thing that occurs is we're dealing from two different realities. I mean, what I mean is the people who still believe that the masking and the protocols and everything save lives and it was necessary. And then there's the other truth that's come out now where, like the Israeli report on, on COVID, where they were highly vaccinated, by the way. And, and many other countries where they didn't, they couldn't find one person under 50 who didn't have a comorbidity who died from COVID, you know, or for kids 19 to zero. Now the infection fatality rate overall turned out to be 0.00003%. You know, in other words, the, the idea that COVID ever had a three point odd percent death rate was just a theory and it's it, it turns out the mean fatality rate is 0.05 now according to dr yeah, alexander that three percent number <laughs> some people said five yeah i remember based on nothing it was based on they wanted to scare people exactly yeah. exactly That's all. And, right right and the protocols that we're using uh when you put someone on a ventilator who's having a cytokine storm that's the death sentence then you add remdesivir and metabolize and forget about it in oh, other absolutely. words, there's no doubt. But forget two-year-olds. We just got that study last week. Yeah, that's crazy. That showed that yeah. no healthy person under fifty five zero died of COVID. Hey, that's that's it's, exactly right. Yeah, these people are so full of shit. But once again, Javier Becerra is sitting there 
and he should be behind bars. And if he's behind bars, he wouldn't be able to talk at all. Well, that, again, what, like if I was trying to talk to my sister who's in the medical field or my brother, they're still uh, brainwashed by the, the the mainstream media, you know, sponsored by Pfizer uh Beat down, really, uh, uh, you know, just brainwashing. And so you, I, to get them to reframe their whole perspective on what's, they just, it's not even in their wheelhouse. Do you see what I'm saying? They're, they're too far down the rabbit hole. And I know you know people like that. And then the other thing is, like, we have Brady in the audience, and he and I agree on many things. The holistic aspect of just, you know, uh, well, we can, we were talking to Dr. Seneff about eliminating all the pesticides and, chemicals and everything because it destroys your gut bacteria where your where your immune system lies you know for yeah. the most part and then uh you know uh for those who need it uh proper you know zinc zinc ionophores 2010 study uh in nih library pubmed being effective against coronavirus or virus even polio virus now some people say well like daniel he has a little different perspective that the typical American diet, just no matter what you eat, is going to give you uh, the, the supplementation need. But it also, the typical American diet will lead to, uh, you know, metabolic syndrome, <laughs> you know, insulin resistance, right. you know, uh, type 2 diabetes. You see what I mean? It's, uh, so th- there's so many things playing in here, obviously, to overall health. But, um, but that's really where the, you know, we live in a state of, uh, Dependent on, you know, we are what we eat, our environment, just like a, um, Hippocrates, I always screw up how he's, it's said. Hippocrates, 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 you know what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, Hippocrates. Hippocrates. Yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you say <laughs> tomato, tomato, you know, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. But you know what I mean? And, and it's a holistic thing. That's, that's, that's really what, what, it's going to bring about our state of being, you know? So, uh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know what else to say other than, but I want to start with the, with you talked about your allergies. Uh, is it allergies you have? Do you run into sinus infections this kind of time of year, every year? I think it's sinus infections. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. yeah. It's sinus infections. Interesting. And it's always about coming into the summertime typically. Yep. This, this is a typical period. I think there are a couple. I think it's like the May-June period and like September-October period. It's like there are two periods. It seems they come into summer, coming, coming into summer and coming into, going to fall. It seems to also flare up. But this is the worst ever. I mean, this is almost like it's chronic just every day. So I might have to do some opposite of holistic when I get back to San Francisco and see a doctor. But I've done this before. And all they keep saying is the same thing. Shoot saline solution up your nose. <laughs> that's what they tell me to do. You know? Well, there's that's also... It. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's it. I mean, there's no... doesn't seem to be any medication that really, you know, knocks it out. Um, I was going to say, as far as, uh, like, people uh, flushing the sinuses out, um, you, you can find... Uh, Essential oils that are diluted down that are known to be antiviral. Um, you know, there's uh, certain plant oils like eucalyptus or pine and oregano. Now, you're not, you're not going to take that from a tincture and put up your schnozzola, but they, there are products that are sold 
I don't know if there's a health food store anywhere near you live or you can try oh, and sure. find something. Oh, sure. Yeah. Where, um, for example, Mike, you know, like a pine tree, right? Or a eucalyptus tree. Notice there's never any weeds under them. Right. Because the oils in there are act to kill the, kill the weeds. So those, those oils are also highly antiviral, antibacterial. Um, and, uh, so there are nasal washes, what I'm trying to say that combine those into a dilute fashion along with saline where it could be very effective. Might mm. consider going beyond saline is what I'm suggesting. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I will. For yeah, sure. think about it. Yeah, um, as you know, it's it's just, you know, <clears throat> incredibly annoying. I think I'm getting more allergic to things as I get older. Oh, oh that brought up something. Um, local honey, local raw honey, wherever... Um, it can be very helpful for allergies. So I've read, I have never had an allergy problem, but I understand that that's supposed to, for some reason, help build up the body because, uh, although yours is, is an allergy issue, but the seasonal aspects of it seems like it's somehow related to the, the, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know really what's going on. The environment. Yeah. The environment. Sure. So, but local uh, organic honey is uh, supposed to be very effective, of course, as you know, the bees are uh, gathering it from the flowers in your local area, and uh, that way uh, it's more beneficial. So usually if like, there's, a um, again, a health store or a organic farm stand uh, somewhere near where you are, uh, you may be able to find some of that. You might try it. I've heard people, I haven't used it because I use organic honey, but I don't have allergies or anything, so I, right. I don't, you know. Oh, need to find a local source. But I I wanted to start at the beginning because I was concerned about how you're feeling. It sounds awful. I hear you're struggling to talk. Yeah, I see you didn't yeah. come in last night. Yeah, it was just, there's some nights it's just, and it gets worse at night too. So ah. it's like, yeah. So it just makes you, also the, the worst thing about these sinuses is that it just makes you feel tired. Right. It just knocks you out, you know. So it like makes you want to like not do anything. Right, right. It's, it's, it's misery. Uh, I think it's really an immune system hit. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, so hopefully it'll pass. We need to get into the, the heart of summer here and hopefully it'll, it'll go away. Well, the other thing that may be a contributing factor that makes it worse now, uh, is the smoke in the air. I mean, a lot of wildfires, uh, mm-hmm. more than normal. Um, yes. and there's an interesting, I just had a friend of mine, Loretta, send me a link on, uh, something I heard about last year, but I didn't explore it was that uh, very unusual fire patterns where homes are, uh, are burning and, and uh, leaving metal melted, uh, glass, which doesn't typically melt until 2,500 degrees, right. um, super hot. And yet then there'll be uh, trees that, uh, it's just very unusual fire patterns, not, not like normal wildfire, um, trees that are standing that should have, uh, the, the needles, although they're brown, they're not, they're not burnt off and the fine twigs. It's just some very bizarre things going on and what's causing that. Um, so, uh, I'm going to explore it more, but, um, it seems, um, this change of patterns of fires, um, what's the cause of it is, is leaving a lot of people perplexed. Uh, experienced firefighters, um, there's one video I was watching um, where they can't explain uh, 
what's what's going on. I haven't seen this type of thing before, so I, I don't know. I'm going to look into it some more. But um, uh, with all the smoke in the air, we had a lot of smoke in the air here. I'm in, you know, of course, I'm in Bridgeport, not far from New York, and uh, for we had the Canadian uh, smoke come on down into the area, and um, for a couple of days it was pretty smoky. You know, yeah. I'm sure some of the photos. Daniel's thought, talking about a move. He, Daniel said there's this thing he does with his sinuses where he, he crinkles his nose, uh-huh. almost like you're smelling something bad. Yeah. And you move your upper lip. I'm trying to do it now. You crinkle your nose and you move your upper lip from side to side. And it's supposed to, well, it does loosen things up a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. I can so see that. Yeah. So it's it's all trying to loosen things up, I guess, get things moving again. There's also something I learned is you put your two fingers, you put your thumb and your and your and your index finger right at the bridge of your nose, the, the top of your nose, you know, by your eyes. Yeah. And you squeeze there and you press. And that also releases some of the pressure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, we points. were not the problem is Bill they didn't make you, humans the right way. <laughs> God needs to go back to the drawing board, Mike. Yeah, they didn't make humans. There's too many problems. Too many problems. And it needs, you know, and computers you can just fix usually like you press a couple of buttons, right? Uh-huh. And so humans aren't that easy, you know. So that's that's the problem, basically. Yeah, that's the truth. That's, you know. Uh, listen, I know Brady's waiting. I want to touch on one more thing, which sure. Brady talked about the other night, which was. Uh, I didn't get a chance to comment on it. Um, uh, marriage and uh, marriage, uh, uh, this orientation over over sexuality of children. Uh, uh, the UN, uh, interesting, what to call it? Guidelines are having now on decriminalizing sexuality amongst with young girls. That as long as the parents uh, give consent, we're it's very bizarre. Young ages that you wouldn't consider it would be right for kids to marry. Um, but if there's per- consent by the parents, I don't know. There's a link I put in the, uh, in the, uh, chat and, um, I haven't studied it much. I just stumbled on it because I get a bunch of emails from different organizations. I was like, what is this? You know, they're trying to normalize, uh, uh, sexuality with younger and younger, um, people with adults and uh, it's just it's an absolute insanity and uh, so you might think you know right off the top of my head I always thought well geez I didn't think a, an adult could marry a, a, a girl under 18 or 17 maybe but apparently if there's parental consent you know for that girl she, it, the ages can go down to dramatically lower ages you wouldn't think of 14 in some places yep. in the United States Yep. Like, what? Yeah. I can't yeah. believe that's a law, you know? And it turns out there's actually very few states, handful, I forget the states now because I just breeze through it, but not terribly many that, you know, where, where it's like, no, this is it. 17 and under, no way. Well, no matter what the parent says. You know what I mean? That's rare. That's the, that's not common. It's more common to have this, if the parent, uh, uh, the daughter or the, or the young person uh, gives consent. It's it's a it's yeah, well, that, that was like a, a, a deep south thing, wasn't it? 
They're like, the you know, guy wants to marry. I'm going to take care of your daughter. I'm going to marry your 14 year old daughter and take care of her for life. And the parents would be like, okay, go ahead, take her away. But the laws, you know, the, and these laws are never, I guess they were never adjusted. Yeah, that's true. But also there's a movement, as I said, to, to the UN, uh, to actually, uh, make it more acceptable. This is a new movement through the UN. At least this is what the article was saying. There's actually some guidelines they're trying to bring about to make it uniform. And, um, I don't know, Mike, we, I, I, there are maybe the articles in the, in the chat might want to review it and we could well, talk I about it again. You know, we, we don't want to be hypocritical. We talk about how no parent should be able to say, okay, I'm giving my 12 year old permission. That's, that's what I mean. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so not- no parent should be able to say, okay, they're 14, but they're mine, and they can marry a 40-year-old. It's nuts. Yeah, it's absolutely it insane. You're right. Bill. Yo. You. Yeah, good talking to you. Yeah. All right. Thanks. All right. Let's go to Brady. Hey, Brady. How's it going? Brady, you there? Brady may have uh, gone away. Wait. Oh, there he is. There Sli- you are. Slight technical difficulties there. Technical technical difficulties. Please stand by. But I wanted to mention another thing they made us do during the pandemic that goes unmentioned far too often. Mm-hmm. And that's when they made us remove NAC from the shelves and Amazon Marketplace, Walmart Market, online marketplace as well. When they A lot of it removed what the from the shelves? In acetylcysteine, which is a precursor to glutathione, the body's oh. natural antioxidant, <clears throat> uh-huh. uh, directly repairs the lungs, damage to the lungs, both kinetic and DNA damage to the lungs. It fights COVID in five scientifically verifiable ways. Uh, very low uh, side effects, mm-hmm. just having to do with blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, super useful for a lot of situations. And at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, I think in like 2019, they removed its status as a nutritional supplement, supposedly because people were using it as a hangover cure. Oh, wow. But yeah, there are, of course, lots of different health supplements that are regularly used as hangover cures, including vitamin C, you know, and... So the legitimacy of that being the reason for them pulling it is not very thick. And when you consider that there are five scientifically verifiable ways that it fights COVID, one through protecting your lungs from DNA damage, one from helping your body produce antibodies. Uh, Another one is it's a mucolid. Um, It's an Mm anti-inflammatory and it's an antioxidant. Oh, okay. Interesting. all five of those ways, this one molecule helps fight COVID. And I can tell you that I had COVID and normally I get sick with a, a cold. It lasts, you know, a day or two and it's gone mm. and I barely feel it. This one lasted a whole week and I was like, okay, what the heck? Why, like, why am I still sick? And so I popped it in AC, boom, gone the next day. Like it never happened. So no kidding. NAC absolutely kicked its ass for me in my experience. Wow. Huh. Do you think that Daniel works for other things? Yeah, Daniel is saying it works well for his sinitis uh, or sinusitis. Yeah. Um, it's really good for clearing your mucus pathways. Oh, I got to take this. Um, 
dude, it's going to change your life. It made me a better musician. Uh, Some fun side effects, some fun off-label side effects are that it's mildly psychedelic. Uh, It will improve your dream quality to the point where if you have any interest in lucid dreaming, it's a highly useful tool for that. And um, another fun off-label use is that it makes cannabis twice as strong for twice as long. Pretty cool stuff. It really increased the potency of cannabis for you. And you buy you buy this at one of those places that sell cannabis. Where could I buy this? Sell it at the head shops yet, but I'm going to recommend. I'm going to try to start, you know, slinging it. Recommend some head shops start selling it. It's really good for anyone who smokes. Anyone who smokes anything at all would benefit from it. And alongside its mildly psychedelic properties. It also has a lot of verifiable anti-addictive properties. So it's been proven to help with people who have cocaine and alcohol addiction. Hmm. Try anything at this point because the, uh, the stuff over the counter stuff, stuff doesn't, doesn't do very good. You know, it's kind of garbage. I know what you mean. I've taken a lot of health supplements. I've tried a lot of different things and Nine times out of ten, it's like placebo effect. You know, like it's like, is it working? Is it not? I can't tell. Right. NAC exactly. is something right. different. Yeah. NAC is a different beast. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of my friends that I've recommended it to have incorporated it into their normal um, lives. And the cool thing, another cool thing about it is that you only need to take it like once a week. You don't need to take it every day for it to be effective. You could take it like once or twice a month. And wow, it would honestly that's great. Yeah, yeah, all really, this other really stuff nice. you have to take every day. You have to take all this mm-hmm. sinus medication every day. You know, mm-hmm. and like I said, I'm not even sure what it does. It just doesn't. You know, it's you know, oh, sinus uh, Sudafed is just speed. That's all. Oh it just, God, that causes the you know it speeds up your whatever it is, and it causes the stuff to come out. But it's that's all it's doing. It's doing. It's that's yeah. creepy. Well, yeah, NEC's found naturally. That's what they and leafy greens, you yeah, know, leafy greens like broccoli, uh, kale, asparagus has the highest concentration naturally. So if you want a therapeutic dose, though, you have to eat like pounds of asparagus, like a pound of asparagus, to get a therapeutic dose. Um, so it makes sense to have access to those supplements. And yeah, man, good talking to you, man. And uh, yeah. I can't recommend to you give that stuff a try. I will try it. Thank you, Brady. I appreciate it. Any kind of, you know, holistic advice is always, uh, it's always welcome because I don't know if the over the counter stuff works much. It really doesn't. And, you know, most of it, like I said, it's just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't target the root cause of things, right? Like speed. Okay. It helps, it helps drain because the speed helps you, I guess your sinuses drain or like the, uh, people take at night, NyQuil and stuff that just knocks you out. That's all it does. Helps you sleep because it knocks you out. So, but doesn't, you know, address the root cause of, of anything. So this is good. This was like a part political, part medical, Mike's medical issues show, which is interesting. That's good. I want to remind everyone that I'm in the East Coast right now. I'm in New York, the last leg of my East Coast trip. And so uh, the shows are a little off time wise. Usually uh, if I do a show, it'll be around 11 o'clock, 1130, 11, 1130 Eastern, 8, 830 Pacific. And so uh, just look on the calendar. You know, and if, like I said, lately, my, these sinuses have been ki- really kicking my ass. So sometimes by the time we get to that hour, I'm kind of out of it. And it's, it's tough to talk for two hours. But I'll uh, try my best 
to soldier on. I want to remind everyone, the name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. And uh, until we speak again, until next time, this is Micah Shopley reminding you that your influence counts. Use it.